With Hashem's assistance, we are learning Gittin, Daf Ein Aleph, page 71. We begin at the top. Amar of Kahan, Amar Rav, Ruf Kahan, and said in the name of Rav. I have a person who is a deaf mute, but he's able to communicate through writing. So we do, if he instructs us to do so through writing, so we indeed write for him and give to his wife a divorce document. Amar of Yosef, Yosef says, My Kamash one. What are you coming to teach us, Rav Kahana? We know this already. Tanina, we have this in a Mishnah. Nishtatik, our Mishnah. Nishtatik, vamrloi nichtav get ishtacha. If let's say someone became mute, and we asked him if we should write a get for his wife, yehirachin b'roisha, and he nodded his head, baikin I shlisha bamin, we check him out three times, and vamrloi alav lav el hain hain, if he says no to no and yes to yes, he responds correctly. So we write it and give it. So what do we see? We see from this that even though a person does not have the ability to speak, the fact that he can communicate and we can figure out what he means, that's good enough. So why does Rav Kahan have to say this in the name of Rav? What's the Chedesh? I'm Rav Rabbi Zera says, Elim Ka'amris. You're talking about someone who's a mute. I'm talking about someone who's a deaf mute. Shani Elim. And a uh, person who's just mute is different. The time he's a lender of Brisa. Midaber ve'ena shamea zehu cherish. Person who speaks but can't hear is considered a deaf person. Shamea ve'ena midaber zehu Elim. Person who hears but does not speak. So he's called a mute. Vizeh, vizeh. Both of these. Harein kipik. They're considered like a regular person who's, who has uh, full capacities, intellectual capacities, in all of their matters. Now the Gemara continues. How do we know that a person who speaks but can't hear is considered a deaf person? And a person who hears but does not speak is considered a mute. The Chesiv, as the verse says, in Tehillim, I'm like a deaf person who can't hear. I'm like a mute person who cannot open his mouth. So here we see clearly that each one is referred to by their specific character traits. Another explanation, another source for this, people say, that a person who's an ilem, why is he called an ilem? Because ishtakil, he's lost milule, his ability to speak. These two words, ilem is aleph, lamed, mem, ishtakel is the aleph, milule, you've got the mem and the lamed. So now the bottom line of all this is that there's a difference between the statement of Kahana um, in the name of Rav, which was that a person who's deaf, and he's talking about a person who de- who's deaf and mute, so he can communicate through writing. So this we can't figure out from the mission, because all the mission is talking about is a person who's exclusively mute, but he does have the, does have the ability to hear. Now, the Gemara says, Amr Bibzeir, says, E kashali, ha kashali. If you want to ask, I can tell you the following question, that's a good question on Rav Kahana. Titania, as we have in Abraisa, Imla Yagid, it says in the verse, if he shall not speak. Pratli ilim, this comes to exclude a person who's mute. Sheini yachalahagid, it doesn't have the ability to speak. So these verses are talking about a case where somebody has some information he knows, and he's supposed to give this aid, he's supposed to give the testimony. So here, if he doesn't give the testimony, he swears that he doesn't know, even though he really does. So in such a case, he has to bring a special korban. So what we're saying is, this person who's mute is excluded from having to bring such a korban, because it says, Im lo yagid. It's coming to exclude an ilim, a person who does not have the ability to speak. Now, the Gemara says, Amai, hagid The Gemara says, if it's true that a person who's mute has the ability to speak by writing, so why is it that he's excluded? So the Gemara answers them. We're talking about a case of testimony. The verse specifically says that it has to be from their mouth. They have to be able to say the testimony with their mouth, and they can't say the testimony through writing. Testimony cannot be given through writing. I'll ask you a question. Here 
here we see that a person who is mute, so he's able to be checked just like it by getting, we can check him by having him nod the right answer to questions that we know the answers to. So, so do we can check them in regards to all of these different cases for business dealings, for testimony, and for inheritance. So here we see that indeed we can use them for some kind of testimony. It says that in, the, in this price or mission or whatever it is. Katani Mias Adios, where do we see we see it's talking about testimony as well. What are we talking about when we say testimonies that will be believed through writing? We're specifically talking about a testimony that's in regards to a woman that she should be able to get married because this person, let's say, who doesn't have the ability to speak, saw that this woman's husband passed away. So that's something that the rabbi said that we have a special cooler, a special leniency. Now the Gemara says, but it also includes in this in matters of inheritance. So, and the Gemara at this point thinks that we're talking about a case where he is saying some kind of testimony about someone else's inheritance. Um, Rabbi Avo, Rabbi Avo says, Actually, what we're talking about is a case where the father, who is this mute person, wants to change what he wants to give to the firstborn. The firstborn usually gets double portion, but he wants to only give him one portion, let's say. So therefore, that's where we believe him as long as he's able to nod. If he's able to nod, so it's fine. Katani Mihas, Gemara continues and said, however, we did say in this Brisa, Lumasois, Lumatanois, that he's believed in regards to some kind of business dealings. My love, La Alma, maybe it's referring to other people's business dealings, and we're talking about testimony. Lo, the Gemara says, no, we're actually talking about his own business dealings. As long as he's able to nod, he's able to nod correctly to our questions. So then we know that he's able to be believed, even though he can't speak. Mesve, I'll ask you a question. In regards to the deaf mute, we do not go after his signs, his jumps, or his writings. Only in regards to his money matters. But not in regards to a divorce document. So we see not like Rav Kahana, who said that we do indeed go after his writings in regards to a divorce document. It's actually an argument between two different rabbis of the, of the Mishnah. When do we say this, that he's not believed, that we can't use his writings by someone who was originally, from the time he was born or before he was married, he was already deaf and mute. Let's say someone when he originally married his wife, so he was actually quite normal, and then afterwards he became deaf mute. So he writes, and they're able to sign. And where says, wait, that's implying that if a person, before he got married, so he was already deaf-mute, so he wouldn't be able to divorce his wife, but we know that that's not true. Because we have a brisa or a mission that says that just like he has the ability to bring her in, to marry her with a sign, so he can also divorce her with a sign. Meaning that since this Kedushan is only going to be the Rabban from the rabbis anyway, so from the rabbis they said that you don't need to have a full ability to communicate. So we see that he does have the ability to, to get his wife to divorce his wife. So what does it mean in this statement of Rabbi Shemigam Leel that he only has the ability to divorce her if we're talking about somebody who was originally normal and then he became uh, a cherish, deaf mute, after, after he was married to her. So the Gemara says, if we're talking about his wife, meaning a woman that he normally married, it would be true that he would indeed be able to go in and out to marry her and divorce her just by giving us signs that he wants to do this. What are we dealing with over here in the statement of Shemingam Leel? Be a vimtoy. This that we said that only can he divorce her, he can only divorce her if he originally, when he married her, was he a pikach, a regular person, but he can't divorce her if he was a cherish when he, when he originally married her. What's it talking about? It's talking about where he married her as a yavama, meaning the deaf mute person. So he had a brother, and the brother passed away without any children. So now he went and he married his sister in law. 
So now this sister-in-law does not have the ability to be released. She's stuck with him because since she comes in Midah Oraisa from the Torah, because it's coming through the brother, and he's just completing it, so therefore at this point, she's stuck. She has no way out. Now the Gemara says, Yevim Tamiman, who is she coming in through? Who is the one that passed away? If the one who passed away was a brother who was also deaf, so then we would say that just like the brother who passed away, how did he marry her? Also with some kind of sign. So this brother who also is deaf and mute would also be able to divorce her with a sign. So it can't be the case. Ella, that how did this guy who is deaf mute end up with this woman? Because of the brother, the brother who married her was a regular person and he married her and then he passed away without any children and now she falls to Yibum to the deaf brother. By saying, or I could give you another explanation. It's possible that we could be talking about a case where where she fell to him, and uh, she had been originally married to the brother who was also deaf mute. So why is it that we're going to say that, she, that he's not going to have the the second brother, the one who's now married to her, is not going to have the ability to get rid of her to divorce her? We have a gzera decree that says that in the case where the one who was originally married to her was a cherish, so now that the one who's going to marry her now as well as a cherish, you still cannot divorce her because of a case where it's coming in a pikeach, where it came in from the brother who was a normal person. Since in the case of a pikeach, he will not have the ability to divorce her, so we don't want people to make a mistake and think that a deaf person has the ability to divorce the Yavama, the woman that he married when she was previously married to pikeach. So therefore we say that in all cases, even in the case where she's coming in and she had originally been married to a deaf person so the new husband who's also deaf still does not have the ability to get rid of her through remiza through some kind of hint so the says if that's true so then his wife also shouldn't be able to divorce her either meaning even when we're not talking about a case where she's coming in because of a brother but stop regular case of a guy marrying a, a guy who's a deaf mute marrying a woman so he came in she came in with remiza through some kind of hint so she shouldn't be, he shouldn't be able to get rid of her with a hint as well says answer is we're making some kind of decree we're only going to make a decree in a case which can be confused with the other case so in regards to a case where you're talking about a Yavama a woman who fell to him because of the brother who had passed away so those are cases that can be mixed up however in a case where he's married to her in a regular way that's not going to be mixed up in the case where, where it's coming in through the brother says, is it true that we make such a decree we turn to Ayan Aleph on the base page 71b you have two brothers, and they are both deaf mutes. Nisuin, and they're married to any number of different options. Two sisters, all the cases are two sisters, that are regular women. Or two sisters that are deaf. Or two sisters, one of them is normal, one of them is deaf. Okay, that's the first set of cases. Again, two brothers that are deaf, they're married to any two combinations of two sisters. Or now we have a case of two sisters who are deaf, and they are both married to any number of different combinations. Either married to two regular brothers, or two brothers who are deaf, or to two brothers, one who is normal and one who is deaf. All these cases, you do not have to perform chalitza and you do not have to perform yibum. Basically, Rashi explains that in all of these cases, so since they're two sisters, so the halacha is, the law is, that when someone wants to do yibum, he's already married to the sister of the person that he's supposed to do yibum to, so there's no requirement to do yibum, you don't even have to do chalitza, and that's why in all of these cases, you don't have to do either one. 
However, the Gemara continues, If they were not two sisters, Yichnesu. So the halach is he's not allowed to do since either he or the woman is a cherish, is a woman who doesn't have the ability to hear. So therefore, he does not have the ability to do chalitza. As Rashi explains, because he's not included in the verse of chalitza. And therefore, he must marry her, and if he wants to, he can divorce her after they're already married. But what we see over here is that if you have a brother of a person who's a cherish, a person who's a deaf mute, and he takes her in, so they are considered married, and if he wants to, he can indeed divorce her. So you see that he does have the ability to get rid of her. It's clear that we don't make any kind of gzera on a case where you have a cherish, a person who's a deaf mute, marrying a woman who was married to his brother who was also a cherish. We don't make such a decree, that's clear. So the Gemara says it's clear, like the first answer, which was that it's coming in through a brother who was a regular guy, married to a regular girl, and therefore it's coming in, and in that case, he does not have the ability to divorce her. Now the Gemara continues with the same of Rabbi Yechon, which is going back on the statement of Reb Gamliel earlier. Earlier he had said that it's only true that we cannot depend on the statements or the hints of a person who's deaf only if he originally married her when he was deaf. But if he originally married her when, when he was a pikeach, a regular person, and then he became deaf-mute, so then, in fact, we can use his statements that are written down or his signs. So now the Gemara says, Amar B'yaychanon, Chalukin alav chavir v'al Rishim Gamliel. Even though Reb Shimi Gamliel could be interpreted to be saying an explanation of the Tanakhama, of the first rabbi in the Brisa, nevertheless, B'yaychanon says it's not true. He's actually arguing, and the rabbis, the Tanakhama, will say that, in fact, it doesn't matter how he came in, even if he came in as a pikeach, he will not be believed. Once he becomes a, a cherish, uh, a deaf mute person, so he can't write something and we can't do it based on that which he's written. Amar Abaye, Abaye says, Afanon Amitanina, we have a, a Mishnah or Brisa that seems to imply this as well. Nishtis, if let's say she went insane, he's not allowed to divorce her. The Gemara will explain later why. Nisharish, who? Let's say he went deaf, or he went insane. So you can't get divorced forever. My is what does it mean forever? Maybe it means that even despite the fact that he has the ability to speak, through writing. So despite that fact, so this is a proof, says Abaya, that the Tanakama disagrees with Rishim Gamliel. So even though he has the ability to speak later on through writing, so to speak, so nevertheless, we don't we don't allow him to get divorced. Amar Papa, so Rapapa says, "Ilav Dashmi Inon Rabbi Yechanan." If not for the fact that Rabbi Yechanan had said it explicitly that the Tanakama does not agree with Rabbi Shimon Gamliel, have Amina, I would have said Rabbi Shimon Gamliel fushet time of the Tanakama who that Rabbi Shimon Gamliel is coming to just explain the words of the Tanakama. The Asa, that's why he's coming. Umay Olamis. So what does it mean in this Brisa where we said that a person who became deaf that he can never divorce his wife? It means Afagav the Chazina the Charif. Even though we see that he's sharp, he's, he seems to be aware. But until he actually writes it down, until he actually gives us a communication in writing, so we won't believe him. That's how we, we could have translated it. Another explanation would be that when we say, it's not going back on the second half, but it's actually going back on the case where she became insane. The Amar of Yitzchak, because in that case, Rabbi Yitzchak says, Devar Torah, from the Torah, Shaita Miskareshes. A person who's insane, so the woman who's insane, you're allowed to divorce her, because you don't need the das, you don't need the acquiescence in any way, shape, or, shape or form of the woman. So, midi dahava pikchis balkarchis, no different than a woman who's a regular woman, and you're doing it against her will, you're allowed to divorce a woman against her will. Matam amru ena miskareshes, so why do we say that she cannot be divorced? So that she doesn't end up becoming a person who people use for illicit relations. So therefore you have to keep her. Since she's insane, no one's going to watch her. She's not going to take care of herself. So that's what we're afraid of. Therefore you have to keep her forever. Now we begin the Mishnah. Let's say they said to a man, should we write a get for your wife? And he said to them, write it. 
Amr Lucifer, they said to the to the scribe, Vikasav, and he wrote it, Ulaidim Khasmu. And to the witnesses and they signed it, Afabishkasfu Vikasmuhu, even though they wrote it and they signed it, Vinasnuhulo, and they gave it to the man himself, Vikhazavanasnuila. And he went and he gave it to her. Hareya get battle. It's not a good divorce document. And she Yomer Lucifer Ksoiv Ulaidim Khasmu until he personally says to the sofa to the scribe to write and to the witnesses to sign. So since it was done indirectly, so it's a problem. Now, Gemara. Time of the Loy Amar Tanu. It's only because he didn't actually say to give it. I mean, he said to the to the original people who asked him, "Do you want to write a get?" He just said, "Write it." He didn't say, "Write it and give it." Ha Amar Tanu. If he would have said, "Give it," nice then, then there would be no problem here. Money. So who would this be like? Rabbi Meir here. It's like Rabbi Meir. The Amar Mili Mimsar He holds that if you're giving over a mission, despite the fact that it's not something physical, you're not giving over an object. Nevertheless, the mission can be given over to someone else. That's Mili Mimsar Lashliach. So that's Rabbi Meir. So Amos say for what does it say in the end? Here you see that you have to actually say it specifically to the scribe and to the witnesses that they should do their job. That sounds like Rabbi Yosi who says you cannot who says that you can't give over a mission. The original person who was commanded in the mission has to do it. He can't give it over to someone else. The Gemara wants to know, can it be that the beginning is Rabbi Meir and the end is Rabbi Yosi? The Gemara answers in, yes, it is indeed true. Abaye Omar Abaye says, Kula Rebbe Meir. We could say that the whole mission is Rebbe Meir. So, how do we explain the end of the mission? The case where he didn't say Tnu. And since he didn't say Tnu, so that's why in the end of the Mishnah it doesn't work. So, the Gemara says, Wait, if that's so, it shouldn't say that it only works if you say it over to the sofa, to the scribe, and to the witnesses. It should say it only works if you say Tnu, if you say give it over. That's the missing factor according to Rebbe Meir. So, what's the case? say to three people because if you say it to three people then they can create other people they can bring on the mission but if you say it to only two people they don't have the ability to say the mission that's why it says in the end that uh, you have to say it directly to them because you only said it to two people so Ihachi the says wait if that's the case say if the defining factor is whether or not you said it to three people it shouldn't say until you actually say it to the people themselves it should say until you say it to the three people when you say it to three then they can give it over Elakula Rabbi Yaisi. The Gemara says it must be that the whole Mishnah is Rabbi Yaisi. Vehachabemayaskin. What's the case? The Loi Omar Imru. When you said to the original messengers to do the job, you didn't say to them that they should say to someone else. In other words, until now we've been assuming that what was the problem in the first case of the Mishnah? Why doesn't it work? It's because you said Ksuvu. You said write it, but you didn't say to give it. So that sounds like Rabbi Meir. Now we're saying no, it's Rabbi Yossi. And what's the problem? The fab problem is that you said Ksuvu, write it, and you didn't say that they should say to someone else to do it. That's the problem. Now the Gemara says, Ihachi, if that's the case, So then in the second half of the Mishnah, you shouldn't say, it shouldn't say that until you go, when does it work? Only if you say directly to the people. But really the issue is, according to what we're saying, that you didn't say to the messengers that they should be able to say it to someone else. So you should say at the end of the Mishnah. And if you gave the messengers the right to say it to someone else, then it does work. Why doesn't it say that way? Additionally, is it even true that Rabbi Yaisi says that if you said to the messengers that they could say to someone else that it works, we're going to bring you a whole proof that it's not true. But now we learned on a mission on this is an old proof. We had this on Daf Samach Vavam and Bez, as we have in the Mesorah Sashas brings down over here. We said in the Mishnah, Kosav Sofer Ve'ed Kosher. If let's say you have the, the writing of a Sofer and you have an aid, so it's kosher. So what the case is talking about where the Sofer, the scribe, wrote the whole document and then he signed it on the bottom and you have one other aid.
So that's kosher. Amr Biyarmiya, Rabbi Yirmiya says, Chasam Soifer Shanin, we're talking about where the Sofer, the scribe, signed it. Amr Rebchizda, Masisimani, and Rebchizda says, who's this Mishnah? Rabbi Yaisi, on the top of Ayin Be'ezim and Aleph. It's talking about Rabbi Yaisi, the Amr Mili, Laminster Lashliach, who says that you can't give over something to someone else. If it would be true that Rabbi Yossi agrees in a case where you said to, to say to someone else, meaning you said to the messengers, I want you to say to someone else to do it, if it's true that he agrees that that's okay, so we have a big problem that's going to come out. Because sometimes I'll say to two people, you two people, I want you to go tell the scribe to write it. And go tell so and so and so and so to sign. Since we already know that the sofa, the scribe, has the ability to write, so now it's going to sign, I'm sorry, so now what's going to happen is the, the two messengers are going to feel bad. Why are we not asking the scribe to sign? So what are they going to do? They're going to go over and they're going to tell the scribe to sign instead. Um, so they're going to make him sign. And the husband hasn't said that. So what comes out is that according to Rabbi Yaisi, there's no way to explain the first case of the Mishnah because it says that what's the problem? What's the problem? The problem is because you only said Ksuvu, you only, only said that they should write it. And we can't say that the problem is and you didn't say that they should say it over because we just said that even if you did say that they should say it over, it still doesn't work according to Rabbi Yaisi. So it's clear, Rasha Rabbi Meir, Vesefa Rabbi Yaisi. The beginning is Rabbi Meir and the end is Rabbi Yaisi. We're going to continue going until the Mishnah so we don't lose the flow here. Rav Ashi Omar, Kula Rabbi Yaisi here. Rav Ashi says the whole Mishnah is Rabbi Yaisi. Veloimi boya ka Omar. And it's saying like this. Loimi boya heicha de Omar tenu. Not only is it true where he didn't say tenu, he didn't say to give it over, that it doesn't work. Elafilu Omar tenu. Even if he said to give it over, lo, it's not going to work as well. Why? Like we mentioned, because mili la mimsur lashleh, you can't give over a job. You can only give over an object. Veloimi boya heicha de Omar lebeitlas. Not only if you didn't say it to three, Elafilu Omar even if you said it to three, it also won't work. And not only if you didn't say to say it over to someone, Elafilu Omar Imru, even if they said to the messengers, you say it over to someone else, Namiloi, it still won't work. Tanya Ashi, we have a Brisa that's going to say exactly like Rav Ashi. Kosav Sefer Lishma, and let's say the scribe wrote it with the right intentions, Vachosmu Eidim Lishma, and the witnesses signed it with the right intentions, Afalpisha Kosvuhu Vachosmuhu, even though they wrote it, and they signed it, Venasnuhulo, and they gave it in Venasnula, and she, and, and he gave it to her, Hareha Get Batal. Nevertheless, the Get is not good, and Sheyishmu Koiloi, until they hear his voice, Sheyoymer Lesoifer, that he says to the scribe, so if you write it, and to the witnesses that you should sign it, this said it said that they have to hear it. This is excluding the one who says that Rabbi Yossi agrees that the messengers can be told to say it over, meaning clearly it has to be heard by the people themselves. It can't be given over through messengers. And kolo laapuke midr of kahana marav. And this that it says that they actually had to hear the voice. It comes to exclude the statement of Rav Kahana in the name of Rav on the top of an aleph and aleph, which was that a person who's a deaf mute can say it through writing. No, it's not going to be good enough according to this brisa. It's clear. We'll continue from here in the next daily daf with Hashem's help.